This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this, an Ask Brothers Rankcast, an Ask Bros OG, coming to you at a very awkward time for any live listeners. Uh, it's 4.45 p.m. in Australia, which makes it like 5.45 a.m. in the UK, which is where we probably get most of our live listeners from. I don't know what fucking time it is in America. If anyone does fucking jump in here, jump in the comments. And how many time zones does America even have? Because it's fucking massive. So there can't be like one time zone. Anyway, showing my ignorance, my lack of worldliness, Toby. Um, But we didn't have a podcast last week. Some of these podcast guys, they're like for us, they're a little bit sporadic at the moment. We're in lockdown again, third time of lockdown. I've got a baby coming. Toby's life is fucking hectic with small children. So we are trying to get consistent podcasts out, but sometimes it's it's difficult. Um, but thanks for joining us. There's a few people in the room already. That's always a nice sign. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Welcome to Steve, who ate hot wings last night. Big Steve ate hot wings. Been fucking up all night, shitting his fucking ring off. Uh, so Steve's up at five o'clock in the morning, most likely commenting from the shitter. Um, Toby, long-winded intro. Good to see you, champion. Your hair is looking lush. Lush, bro. It's got a little bit of curl. It's got a little bit of Revlon fall over your shoulders today. What can I say, huh? It it, it may be coming off soon, but I'm quite attached to it. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, I don't know. I reckon lose the facial hair first and see if you like the the slightly cleaner look. No, 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 hair, no, no, no facial I, hair. I have a weak fucking chin and my face needs hair. <laughs> my wife tells me all the time, you're a weak chin. You're a weak man. I hate you. Uh, but Toby, uh, you know, being in Australia, we did get to, I assume you got up and watched the game this morning, much like I did watching the game this morning, mm. the way the time zone works. It's not so bad for us. You know, I often get up at... Not at 7 a.m. And, and, and watch the replay. Um, and then try and stay off social media as well. It's something I always really try and do, obviously, both before the game and immediately after the game. I try and stay off until you and I have been able to have a chat because I find a lot of the time the things that we come out with initially end up getting warped and, and molded, I think, for a lot of people by the amount of social media they watch. Um, but, Toby, mm. a 4-2 win for the Arsenal. A really good game for the Arsenal and a good game from a perspective of it looked like there has been a tweak to the tactics over the coming weeks. And we've started to see things come to fruition in the last few weeks without getting the results. And this seemed to be the, what is it when you get to the top? The summit, the summit of what Arteta seems to have been working on over the last few weeks with this team. What did you see? What did you make of it? Champion? Lots of movement, lots of dynamic movement, quick triangles, um, you know, lung-busting runs um, from the right-hand side in particular, some real drive and power and desire. I thought some good um, and well-timed pressing as well. And um, overall, a a very fluid and exciting performance. And and something that I said to you in um, just messaging during the day was maybe this is the most City-esque performance that we've seen with all the player movement, um, inter and intra-play and swapping of positions and uh, lots of neat little triangles and even um, and even hitting the byline a couple of times and, and cu- cutting back, which should be making Ober's mouth water if um, if that starts happening more regularly. So it was a fun watch, wasn't it? It was It was nice... For for once, our dominance to actually have some some end product as well, and, and get some um, early goals as well, which made it a lot more enjoyable because of that. So um, no, it was good, and and I was convinced with uh, no party and no Tierney that we would really struggle in this game. So I was quite happy whether whether they had 
injuries or reshuffles of their own. Uh, I don't know their team very well, but apparently that was the case. Might have made things a bit easier for us, but um, I wasn't. I wasn't wholly convinced that we'd um, smash it out the park as we did. So I found it a very enjoyable game. Well, very easy to. Um, oh, sorry, very difficult at the moment to predict scores for Arsenal. You're, you're either an Arsenal fan who picks us to win every single game and thinks we're going to win 3-0 or you're an Arsenal fan like me who's always like, 1-1, one, one, we're going to fucking draw it. It'll be what it'll be. Um, <laughs> as, far as, as far as selections go, Toby, um, I think that a lot of people are going to not necessarily overlook, but I think they might underanalyze the decisions to put different players in different spots in this game. Um, just from kind of what I've seen on Twitter, I think that's quite a deliberate move from Arteta. A lot of people are talking about, oh, it's about resting, it's about rotating, it's about saving Pepe for, and I'm calling him Pepe now because one of the guys on like Sky or BT Sports calls him Pepe, and I, I now can't get it out of my head. So if Pepe, he does this much, then he can do it. <laughs> um, anyway, so a lot of people thought that Pepe... Uh, was left out of the team for obviously Europa coming up. And I sort of initially thought that as well until I started kind of working the city connection into my head. And I was like, okay, so Ober at center forward has struggled and Ober on the left has struggled. So by playing ESR and Odegaard and Saka for that matter, and having three players who are so highly interchangeable and especially ESR's desire to get into the box and to hit the edge of the box and to almost hit those kind of like Ramsey late runs where he arrives later in a central area. I think what that did in this game is it actually allowed Aubameyang to be on the left when it suited him to be on the left and to be central when it suited him to be central rather than starting him central with a Pepe outside of him where he kind of has to stay central or he's going to block Pepe's channel or starting him left when he doesn't have the technicality or the link-up play to really, I guess, release players around him in that position. It goes back to a conversation we were having about the team looking unbalanced with Aubameyang in it. Well, I actually felt today with what I think might have been a bit more of a deliberate setup, and I think it might be something we might see a bit more of, it really freed Aubameyang up. And like you said, you, you saw him salivate. You saw his erection grow and grow and grow until it was a pulsating rhinoceros cock of goal-scoring mechanism. I don't even know how to respond to that. I thought I'd just let you go and see how long it would go for. Well, there was, intel- there was intelligence until the, the bulging rhinoceros cock comment. But I, I guess, you know, more, you know, what do you think about the concept? That's a bit of a deliberate way and something that's been worked on and worked towards and actually makes a little bit more sense for Aubameyang rather than the other options who are available to be played on the wings. Yeah, look, and, and I'll take a step back with that. I think the the team and the game plan of Leeds actually suited us. If you've got a team that's coming at us with a fairly aggressive press, um, you know, there were gaping holes at time in, in the centre of midfield, which made it quite easy for us to quickly progress up the ball, uh, up the up the field. Um, they really did come out at us because we scored early. So everything kind of played into our hands and, and nullified some of Aubameyang's weaknesses for me. And we still saw some of the weaknesses, the, the lazy one-touch layoffs, because that's all he's got with his back to goal, were intercepted uh, on a number of times. But we also saw you know, fluidity and little triangular partnerships over on the left, um, you know, which I found which I found really good because it, it gave him his sort of natural... Um, it gave him uh, his natural space to go into, sort of a la Henri. By the way, if anyone's listening to this on audio, I struggle with doing anything more than one thing at a time. Toby literally cannot. I can't put up a comment and not have Toby stop and read it. Everyone else can just keep doing what they're doing and assume I'm putting up comments for people who are watching to listen, but Toby has to stop and has to read them and sometimes even has to read them out loud or if he's not reading them out loud, does the silent mouth movement. 
Yeah. I'm surprised I can walk, breathe, and talk at the same time. Occasionally, I just pass out due to lack of breath from forgetting to breathe. But anyway, so the, his natural tendency to drift out over on the left, and I, I thought the first goal in particular, my favourite goal of the game, was ESR with his one-touch movement, spinning and turning off the defender, and then opening up the space for Xhaka to hit the through ball into. Um, and it's those type of like triangular partnerships and doing it at pace that's really interesting about this team. You know, you've got the, the drive and power of Saka on the right um, and then you've got these little um, these little pop, pop, pop one touches and that's what's opening up the space for over. I, so, I, think, that, I think that leads into what I was sort of saying, Toby, about the, the, the fact that having those three guys – and even having Danny Ceballos in there in this game, who it didn't always come off for Seba, but his desire to pop and go, I kind of feel like that fast movement and that interchangeability, which is what I see from the City years of Arteta, the years that he was there, and what you were saying to me in the message, saying that was a very City performance. I kind of saw that as almost having three tens behind Oba three interchangeable tens who were all gearing to get towards the box. And actually, the interesting was, if anyone dropped off out of those guys, it was Erdegaard who dropped off. And kind of the other two pincered in, which gave Aubameyang this, like, freedom to just kind of go wherever he wanted. And I do think it's interesting, you know, you bring up Aubameyang's first goal. That's an Aubameyang goal off the left. But it's not an Aubameyang goal with the starting position from the left. It's an Aubameyang goal where he has drifted to the left, which is his preferred side. And the work and the running and the intelligence. And I'm, I'm not going to claim that this is my point because it's a Tim Stillman point. But he said a couple of weeks ago that if you watch ESR off the ball live, a huge part of his game is making runs where he knows he's not going to get the ball. Right, So it's making runs to drag defend. It's making very intelligent, high football IQ runs. Now, you take that into something I said a few weeks ago, which I really got smashed for because everyone had a rhinoceros cock for Pepe at the time. right? But um, Pepe doesn't make... Uh, Pepe does things with the ball because he is Pepe. And what Pepe does off the ball, his pressing has become better and and and, and what he does kind of running back and, and getting back behind the ball has become better. But his runs off the ball and his positioning isn't very intelligent. And for a player like Aubameyang, who once the space is created for him, will ice it more often than not, but doesn't probably have the attributes in his game to create the space for himself that often having ESR and having Saka and having Erdegaard in this constant rotation, giving a defense massive problems all the time as where to pick them up and when to pick them up, I think made the game available for Aubameyang to play in this way. And that's that's kind of what I was saying at the start, Toby. It feels deliberate to me. This is one of the times, you know, I've said in the past that I've felt that a lot of what Arteta has done this season has been accidental that he's fallen onto it or the players coming into form have have led him to this path. That felt to me like a tactical change and that felt to me like deliberate coaching to get to a, a an outcome. I think so. I, and we have to give some credit to him because I think all of us, if we had have been given a, a team sheet, we would have had Saka on the right, Pepe on the left on form because he's been doing well. Um, I was pleased to see Oba through the middle because I thought Lacazette had been pretty poor for the last few. You know, he works hard, but he, he's not providing any end product. Um, and just as a little aside, you know, we need to work out where we're going with this team. So we kind of need Abamyang to basically suck it up and work it out to be a centre forward because our best wide players are the youngsters. And, and we have a we seem to have a plethora of them at the moment. So in terms of the lineup, I, I don't think many of us would have predicted ESR giving up his spot for Erdegaard. But like I was saying before, the, the speed of thought, and football can be a pretty simple game sometimes, like one touch give and go, 
and make a run, turn on the shoulder of the defender um, and open up the space. Like, it's not always a difficult prospect, but it's amazing how complicated it can be um, sometimes when you dribble down blind alleys or you've got very stagnant um, beginnings of a move. You know, if you're, if you've got, if you've made, let's say, a coward run that you know you can't get the ball, but you're, you know, you're heading to a space where you may be able to, but you know you're going nowhere, then the central midfielder will just turn and go the other way or pass backwards. So that's a way of hide, hiding on the pitch. So I love the way that that ESR speeds the game up with those give and, go, give and goes. And he wasn't playing that that pure number 10 or where he has been previously. Um but we didn't um, we didn't lack because of it, and in fact, it opened us it it opened the game up for that first goal. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, when I kind of went through the hotspots on stat zone and stuff, that we we very much played in a three with the ball again today with Sabios much further forward, and we actually almost played with a, a flat four at times in midfield with Cedric coming up into the midfield and then having yep. ESR and Erdegaard. At times, I felt Saka was pulling into a centre-forward position. Almost whenever Aubameyang was pulling into a left position, it was Saka who was pulling into the centre-forward position. Yeah, Erdegaard and ESR pulling in. It was just a... Sometimes in games when it's difficult to track where someone is playing, those are the games that I enjoy the most because that, for me, means there's movement and there's dynamism, you know, and the formation is agile and is moving and is rotational. Um, and, and we said in a message... Or, or that leads aren't very good at defending. It can say well, that, that we, also. We, we, did, we, did say, we did say, Toby, and we have said all year, the way to stop Arsenal is to play in a deep block. That's mm. the way you stop Arsenal, full stop. You play in a deep block, you let us have the ball and we start passing, boring, U-shaped, back to the centre, around the outside, back to the centre, around the outside. There's How nice was it? How nice was it not having a game like this? This was almost like a Neanderthal game from the 90s or early 2000s, the the games that we loved, which was just balls out, end-to-end, you know, counter-counter-counter, turnover-turnover-turnover. It was was a lot of fun. In saying that, I thought that probably one of the most maligned um, performances of the game from a, a social media or from a Twitter perspective was the, the oh, fucking shut the fuck up. Your fucking dog never shuts up, Toby. Yes. Uh, Toby, can you talk while I go on mute, while your dog goes mental? Sure. What was the last point? Much maligned Gabrielle. Ah, oh, Yes. Uh, I thought him coming back into the team um, was quite good. I was actually very surprised that Rob Holding lost his spot um, because of how a consistent performer he's been recently. But there were a couple of signs of, of errors um, that that Rob Holding had, I guess, committed the last couple of games. You know, there, there was the talk of switching off... Um, and letting the Aston Villa striker ghost in from behind. I thought there'd been a couple of reads which weren't so good. Um, yeah, and, I don't think Rob and, Holding got dropped. I think Rob Holding got rested because Rob Holding's blowing out of his ass. And, 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 and the Europa game. And the, the other point yep. I was going to make um, was that having David Luiz in the team, although his passing wasn't particularly uh, as crisp as normal for this game, it does have the ability to play as another midfielder and, and start off attacks that way. So, you know, little of column A and a little of, little of column B with that. But, um, yeah, the, a combination of Rob Holding potentially um, being a bit on the tired side and resting to, you know, maybe rest his brain a little bit and then with an eye to um, to the Europa League um, in a couple of days' time. Um, Gabrielle, Toby, I put up a tweet I think it was at halftime saying the way Gabrielle explodes into the midfield with the ball is similar to the way I explode in my pants when I watch Gabrielle move into the midfield with the ball. Um, look, he's got issues as a defender. I, I refuse to buy into the fact that he is the be-all and end-all of defenders. 
but you have to admit, and, and I assume you're going to agree with me, the ability to be able to burst into the midfield, which immediately disrupts, I guess, any form of of structure that teams have to do someone and then be moving into the midfield to, to progress the ball uh, is something that when he is on and when he is playing well is is really exciting, really impressive and provides us with a dynamic that I don't think we have without other defenders. Mm. Yeah, I... I really like him. I mean, I'm I'm easily swayed and easily fooled by power and balls and bottle, you know, which um, which he seems to have, um, or seems to have in spades rather. Um, but I love the way he drives the ball forward. I I love a lot of aspects to his game. He's a bit of an all action hero. He's a bit of a big unit, which I really like. You know, he covers the ground quickly. Um, He'd probably not positionally as um, as astute as others, but I think when um, when central defenders have the physique, sometimes they get away with a little bit more of an action hero um, approach. You know, alternatively, I thought Pablo Marie was doing a bang up job from the left hand side previous to his injury. Um, and he's kind of the antithesis of, of that. you know he's he's slow as fuck in comparison. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just good, the options that we have. And um, I'm pretty excited to have someone like Gabriel at his age and, and his um, physical attributes as well. I think it's, I think it's great. And he does drive the ball forward. You know, I know you had a bit of a splooge moment where there was a couple of, um, of attackers pressing him. And he just drew them in and had the confidence to knock the ball in front of him and and, and he's bypass. gonna he's gonna make mistakes doing that, Toby, and then he's gonna have to recover and then he's gonna hack cunts down and he's gonna get red cards mm. and yellow cards. Mm. And I think that's what you get. I made a comment the other week, Toby, people didn't like it, but I said that Pete Gabriel reminds me of Pete Mustafi. There's parts of it where I'm like, fuck, you could be so good, and then fuck you're such a liability. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, it's nice of you to bring up Mustafi again when um, I think everyone's happy that he left. But, you know, Mustafi had um, a lot of good points to his game. He just had too many errors in, in him. And, you know, there was so much water under the bridge by the end of it that there was no coming back from that. And it was better for everyone that he left. And, you know, with the all-action hero defenders, you, you live by the sword and you die by the sword. And, and we've had... We've had plenty of defenders like that in the past. You know, you've had your Kashelnys and your Vermarlins as well who really played on that front foot defence and it's on a knife's edge. You're either going to look like a hero or you're going to look like uh, you've totally fucked it up. Yeah. Just going back to what you were saying before, it reminded me of a Spaceballs comment. What was it? Women are attracted to power and money. And money. And, and, I, I, and, and I, I have, have both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New listener or someone who hasn't commented before, Kurt. Welcome, Kurt. Welcome to the degeneracy that is the Aspros. He said he's impressed by Odegaard, Toby. He's the calm we need to play Oba as a striker, as a centre forward. Well, good interpretation of the shorthand text there, Max. I'm obviously far too old to understand what was uh, the fuck was going on there. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought Odegaard had a, had a very good game and a, a quietly efficient game as well. I like the way he moves the ball at pace. His first touch is confident. Um, he seems to read the game very well. Um, and I thought overall he improved us, you know, with some com- very, very neat combination play where we were actually drawing the press and we were in a, that very tight moment whereas if you lay it off first time or do something clever, your attacking teammate is in quite a bit of open space um and that's that's very exciting when you get players that can draw defenders like that you know um jack wilshire was brilliant at doing that from deeper drawing those players in doing something clever skipping past um and erdegaard seems to be able to do that higher up the pitch um so i'm pretty excited for the way he can um you know he's got the potential to unlock some teams i think i think this could be i think this could be a good signing um, Toby, you and I kind of had a brief conversation, but four three three, anyone to try and squeeze all these players in? 
I think we can give it a go. Um, it depends on defensive solidarity, really. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think Leeds, because they go at it so hard, they're kind of like a wet dream for, for Arsenal and, and the way we can play on the counter. So I don't think you can always have that sort of balls out approach and feel that many um, attack minding attack-minded youngsters. But um, we showed today that, you know, with your with your ESRs on the left, I mean, he might have been selected over there to have to pair up with uh, Cedric and Mark Rafinha. You know, they're, they're, it, it's not all about the attack, as we know with Arteta. I think there's a lot of trust. Um, you know, we haven't seen Martinelli on the left since he was hooked for not doing his job properly. Um, so I, I think there's, um, you know, it's not just about the midfield or, or what you're describing um, or forecasting with a midfield three. It's about the work rate of your wide forwards mm. as well, where everyone, you know, the, the only player that really has a bit of a free task, and even he pressed and closed down the space quite quickly, is, is Aubameyang. And I feel like maybe I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but this is where Arteta clearly trusts people that that offer something going forward, but also well, keep their defensive. Well, that's our pressiest team, Toby. That you can't put more pressy players on the pitch for us because you could Xhaka have Martinelli. Jacker agreed, but Jacker, when he's played played high up, is quite pressy in his zone. Sabios yep. uh, is a very pressy player. ESR. Saka, I thought Odegaard was actually quite pressy as well, and Aubameyang quite enjoys that press. And we caught the the keeper out. We, yeah. we caught him out on more than one occasion. Actually, yeah, he, so, he had a he had a shocker that keeper. Yeah, but you know what? You have a shocker based on what the people in front of you do for you and how. Mm. That, like when people are seeing a keeper be hesitant, I'm often like, okay, well, that's because people are pressed into the space where the keeper wants to go. And if everyone yep. knows that, Belissa, Belissa, Bielsa. Bielsa. Third time. Bielsa, um, Bob. Um, everyone knows that Bielsa wants to play out from the back. So, again, I would put that down to – and I've been I've, I've been reticent to give Arteta a lot of raps for his coaching. It's actually been the thing that I've been quite hard on him for is I haven't seen some of the coaching from him. I've kind of felt he's left it for the players to do. And I've said before, it reminds me a little bit of Wenger. You know, go out there and express yourself. Um but I saw some things in this game that I thought were quite good, quite smart coaching, um, a little bit better from Arteta. Toby, couple of like, like it would be remiss of us not to dig into some negatives. Um, Hector Bayer in. I know he scored a goal, and I know our fan base thinks that whenever you score a goal or you get an assist, it means that you had a good game, um, because that's the way it generally comes out when people are doing their ratings. Someone can be dog shit for eighty nine minutes and score a goal, and all of a sudden they're man of the match because they scored the goal. We look at things a little bit differently at the Aspros, especially when we're doing our ratings. We look at people's primary roles and whether they achieved them and whether or not they assisted in other elements of the game. But Hector, apart from his goal and when he was free and clear bursting into space, was pretty poor again. He switched off for their second goal, some very heavy touches. Um, his decision-making inside the box is poor. Um We've had so many conversations about Hector, but I mean, line in the sand moment, Toby, if this is Hector at his most fit, which I think this is Hector at full fitness, I don't think we can say that he's still coming back. He's had a huge extended run within the team with lots of different players in front of him. And we're still faced with this rocks and diamonds that exist with Hector. End of the season, 20 million, 25 million, 30 million if he plays the whole season. Uh, are you in the mood for an upgrade, a change, new legs, new faces, or are you a, are you still a big believer in Hector and he can come back to a high level? I'd like a tougher right back, to be honest. I I I love Hector. You know, I I'm not someone who joins the Hector hate train um, for the sake of it because it's a hot topic at the moment, um, but. The, the rocks and diamonds element to him, and that was my exact wording for, for the review um, and the score that I gave him today, 
Um, you had, you've got lacking end product. I caveat that by saying that was a good finish, you know, great goal, but like an overall lack of end product. Um, then you've got a, a weakness on the one-on-one occasionally as well. And then you've got a flat out going to sleep as well and letting someone ghost him on the inside. So we are in this situation where a player has returned to full fitness, but we're still seeing weaknesses in the overall in the overall game. I'm I'm a bit on the fence, you know, because I think I think Hector he plays a specific role where he he actually plays as a pseudo midfielder half the time. He's quite good at at joining in um, with the build up, not just the the end of the attacking play. Um, but you know, it's good comment here from Humbo Gumble Toby. He grew up watching Dixon and Lauren come through. Then Sanya, everyone, anyone who knows Arsbros knows I was a massive Sanya fan. I thought he was the best. I thought he was the best right back in the Premier League when he left us. Um, mm. You know, Bellerin isn't up to scratch, Toby. Uh, yeah, and Ruth, look, Ruthless Gunas says, you know, he he's a woeful defender, just a pace merchant. His pace seems to have come back. And I agree one of the reasons why sometimes he looks exceptional is because he has that Mustafi-esque I'm out of position, which means I have to do the heroic. Uh, but he does get run off, Toby. His, his final delivery in the box. And I get that people talk about the fact that Bellerin is more important than a footballer within our squad. A lot of people have this idea that he's an Arsenal man through and through. He should be an Arsenal captain. He's that last connection to the the times of Wenger. But I would argue that there's also an element of those times have changed. I don't think Wenger with Wenger's football would be highly successful in modern day football now with the way it's being played. And maybe like you said, it, it's time that maybe we did go towards or, or back towards a, a Sanya, you know, a bigger, stronger, more robust, more dynamic right back who is defend first and attack second when you have so many attacking assets in front of you regardless. Yeah, look, I mean, if 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 I had to, if you put me on the spot and say yay or nay, if if a decent offer came through, I I would say sell because we've been doing this for a very long time now um and i don't think hector is is all of the problem but you know we're at that point where i would like to see a little bit more defensive solidarity from from our um from our fullback so that would be that would be my perception of that toby on to another player who struggled today a couple of people have told me they thought he played well i thought he was poor uh, even though he was out of position, I thought his touch was poor. I thought his some of his long passing was pointless and just turned over possession was David Louise. Um, there's talk we've given him a year extension. Um, I'm not completely unhappy that we've given him a year extension. It's on, from what I was seeing on Twitter, less than 100 grand a week and he may be being kept there as a as a squad player. Uh, what did you make of Louise's performance today and what do you make of the year extension for David Luiz? It's going to fucking, man, he's going to do a blood vessel and a fucking pressurized brain socket all at once when he finds out. Yeah, look, I think um, I think Luiz was much like Bellerin for this game. It was a rocks and diamonds performance, you know. I think he had some some really influential clearances and tackle tackles at times. Um you know, you don't see many central defenders that can drive the ball forward and, and create a goal-scoring opportunity like he did. Um, his passing was a bit off. At times, I even thought his concentration was a bit off where he went for the easy, sloppy pass, which didn't come off so well. Um, as an extension... Um, I'm a bit 50-50 with it, to be honest. I think he he can certainly serve a purpose. On his day, he can be magical. 
on another day, he can be total shite and cost us the game. I think it's the difference between looking at him as signing a contract extension as a starter and looking at him at signing a contract extension as part of a bigger squad who has to play in multiple competitions. The only thing that I would say is that we still have a lot of central defenders. Even though we've got rid of two, we still have a lot. So do we need to extend someone like that? Do we bring someone else through or do we potentially sign someone else? Well, I think where it's going to land, Toby, is that arguably next season, based on performances, and people can complain about what I'm about to say, but Rob Holding, for me, this season has earned his right for Arsenal not to go out and buy a replacement for Rob Holding. But I, I think he's been arguably the best defender in the Premier League this season, except for when he's been put in situations by the structures of the Arsenal team that do not suit him. Would but you really call him the best defender in the Premier League? On form, uh, have, on, have you on watched form, enough on, of the other? Yeah, on form, Toby. On form, when you look at the amount of clean sheets, you look at his performances, and I can tell you taking a quick look over our play of the season ratings, Rob Holding's in the top five yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Look, across across I, the board for all of us. I, I'm a huge Rob Holding fan. I would be happy if he's our starting right-sided centre-back or at the very least uh, the backup if someone else is in better form. You know, we've yeah, always got to we've just, always got to leave that. I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about the money, and I'm saying that to get better than Rob Holding, and I'm on record of saying this to get better than Rob Holding. And people say to me, "Well, Gabrielle's better than Rob Holding." I'm like, I don't believe that that's true. I believe that Gabriel has attributes that if they are polished would make him a better overall defender than Rob Holding. But I also believe in centre-back partnerships. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a centre-back that sits and a centre-back that goes. Um, I think our best centre-back partnership in on form of the last decade was Koscielny Murtisacker for the 20... I want to say 14... Season? I can't remember. I can't remember Any, what. Anyway, is there, anyway, what there was mean. there was a there was a period of time where I was like, that makes sense to me. That combination makes sense to me, and they were really good. And there was a time when I didn't want four centre backs. Again, Manny will have a fucking embolism at hearing that. Um, oh, captain, my captain, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Koscielny. Um Anyway, I think the point I'm making, Toby, is in the larger scheme of things, when you're looking at a squad. You have to have players within a squad who are happy or accepting of the fact that they may play 10 or 15 games per season. And you can't have necessarily four starting centre-backs all wanting to play every game of the season because that dynamic won't work. I think what you need is you need three centre-backs all vying for one of those key positions. Then you may need someone who is either an older boy or a youth prospect who's able to come in and play 10 to 15 games. I've had my issues with David Louise, but I can kind of see why we would. I don't think Callum Chambers will still be at the club next season. I think at his stage in his career, if he's looking at it and saying, am I going to be a bit part player for Arsenal again for another three years or another two years? Or am I at the point, my age demographic, where I need to go out and, and carve out my own you know, my own path, having been player of the season at Fulham and having gone out to Sunderland and been decent. I can't see him staying. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Sorry, not Sunderland. I've said that before. I've fucked that up before and been corrected. Um, I can't see that happening. So I can see why that would happen, especially if we are if we have big doubts about Saliba and big doubts about Saliba coming back in because I could see us running into next season essentially with Louise holding Gabrielle and Mari. Do I think that's the best we can get? No. But do I also think that there's a, a big gap between, like, financially between better than that? Like, if you could bring in other defenders, but I think they'll be in and around those same levels. And then you've got this level above, you know, which like Upper Mancanos, who's gone to fucking Bayern. You know, like these big, there's only a handful of like big, big name centre backs out. There, I don't, and they're I don't, all going to cost you 60, 70 million I, pounds to go and buy. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a moot point. I don't think we're buying anyone central defensively. Um, there's certainly no point. Like we're growing central defenders for fun. It just depends whether Callum Chambers can fight his way back or whether he leaves. I hope he can. Toby, people people don't don't remember that when he was in the team last year before his injury... He was our best defender. He was our best defender 
and our best uh, our best creative defender, a passer, could score goals. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a an assist that he plays from the right when he's filling in at right back last year, which is a volleyed like over the shoulder. He's a, he's a skilled. He's a very skillful player. He's a very you know, skillful much player. much maligned Callum Chambers, but somehow we've got on Callum Chambers for David Luiz. Basically, what I'm saying is, do I love it? No. I thought he was average today, but I thought he was rocks and diamonds again, like what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it's a terrible signing in light of what else we may have to do or may want to do with the team? I don't know. Toby talking about Can, can I add one thing? If we don't get Europa League football next year, there is fucking no point having him unless he's a starter. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just end up that with that. We made the yeah, decision cool. before. Before. Well, because we won't have enough games to go around to need an older Well, you set. would argue that maybe we would, Toby, but we would go harder at FA Cup, harder at League Cup in the earlier rounds. We wouldn't be so willing to put out young teams. We'd spread our, our opportunities that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and in saying that as well, I think that you could make it a different argument for that, that if you don't sign David Luiz and you don't get Europa, it will be hard to bring in top-level defenders anyway. So signing David Luiz on a year extension makes sense because you're not going to bring be able to fucking bring people in when you're a League Cup, FA Cup, mid-table Premier League side. So there's, there's arguments on both. But while we are talking about transfers, Toby, Danny Ceballos quoted today, I think around 26 million euros which i think is like 22 million pounds 60,000 pounds a week wages there's been a lot of people saying oh i wouldn't have him i don't fancy him uh, i think it's the wrong money but that age demographic on those wages at those money at that money toby it's almost a bit of a free hit isn't it for a guy who's played for spain at international level look i i said no thanks Two days ago, or one day ago, um, and I, I'm I'm slowly being persuaded that the reason it's a good deal is because it's financially good. I don't think for twenty two mil we would be getting better than that. The wages are reasonably low if Real are offering to that. Um, El Neni can go and do one, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's he's a he's a decent player and I like him as a person um, but he doesn't offer enough on the pitch um, certainly not anything alternative to being a safe you know pair of hands you know when we're trying to hold a lead or something like that um, so yeah look he's he's acclimatized to the premiership for two years now which is no mean feat um, especially for continental players coming in because there's an acclimatization period which can often take months or even years. Um, and coming back to the game, because this is a, a review pod, um, I thought he actually did pretty well today. You know, I thought he was he was all over the pitch in a good and a bad way because he tends to be a bit of a ball follower. But he was quite um, he was quite tough. He was in everything. He was up for the scrap. Um, it was one of those better performances. Maintained that. Maintained the tempo is yeah, what I said tempo. in my my, yep. my end of match message to all you guys. I was like, I like Look. how he maintains the tempo, and I like that he's. And I've said this about Sabios before. I like that his first thought is forward, and I think that gets him in trouble sometimes. I think it gets him losing the ball sometimes, but his first thought is forward, and I actually mm. thought that as far not as always two, traditionally, but in this game, I thought he did. Uh, I think that when his first thought has been back, the team's first thought has been back. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is when Ceballos has played well for us, his first thought has been forward. Mm. He has that ability to take the ball with his back to goal and he takes it with an open body and gets the touch out of his feet and drives. I thought he connected quite well with Erdegaard. He even went beyond Erdegaard, which I thought was really interesting. His, nut, said, like, his nutmeg was sexual. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does a couple of sexual things, and I kind of like that he's a cunt. Like he's got some some cunt about him. No, and no, I've always and, and felt with Arsenal, sure. we we lack yeah. we lack cunts. cunts, and we have lacked yeah. cunts for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and he and he can be the cuntiest of cunts. So, you know, there goes our algorithm for for <laughs> oh, <laughs> forgetting well, we never forget forgetting El 
any new listeners. But anyway, hey, fuck well, you. Well, um, we're, we're never getting monetized anyway, Toby. There's about fucking 30 degenerate cunts, many of them in the room listening to us right now, who uh, who see us as the indie option. The yeah. indie option yeah. to, to listen to Arsenal football. Yeah. Well, eat, eat a dick, social media giants. Anyway, yeah. so um, I thought he got himself about the pitch, didn't he? Coming back to Ceballos. Um, he was pretty nuggety. He was pretty tough. Um, you know, yes, he gave the ball away a couple of times, but I also feel like Party has that license a little bit as well. If he's moving the play, the play forward, you have to play with some element of risk. Otherwise, you end up with sterile possession or, you know, sterile domination. So um, I thought he was pretty decent today. I, I didn't I didn't think he was decent enough to get positive points. I think he had a, he had a good and satisfactory game. Um, and most importantly for him, he didn't make us miss party for this particular game. We got through yeah, it. And we- yeah, 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 yeah. I thought the interesting thing was that Xhaka sat deeper in this game where Ceballos went on, whereas when Xhaka has played with Party, Party has sat deeper and Xhaka has gone on. And that made me think as well that was a little bit more coaching. Um, I often don't like Xhaka out of that deeper position. I feel like when he gets done for being Xhaka higher up the pitch, there's more opportunity for him to clean it up and for other people to clean it up around him when he's in that deeper position and he gets done it his, last be, man stand, yeah. his last man standing. So the, the, it's it's a it's an interesting dichotomy. And, and Jacker has improved by affecting the game higher up the pitch. He's he's had a number of assists or pre-assists mm. in this last four or five. Yeah, games. Yeah, he's gone back to hitting that final third entry ball that he used to get. I think under Wenger, he used to hit something For like sure. an average of eleven of them per game. Well, him and game. him and him and Dirty Sanchez used to link up quite a lot. Um, it wasn't just it wasn't just Ozil. Um, Toby, final thing that I kind of want to talk about before we went was an interesting thing that got put up. Uh, Bakayo Saka has been listed in the top ten under twenty one footballers in the world. Uh, I think on current form, you could make an argument for him being in the top ten Premier League players this season. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, we, we, I know we went through a period of time where we were talking about not bigging this kid up too much, but I almost feel like it's gone too far now not to keep bigging him up. He's big. He's strong. Uh, he's dynamic. He's got a shot on him. He crosses he's the clever. ball. Yeah. His uh, football IQ is through the fucking mm. roof. Mm. When and how he makes his runs. And he's physical. He's, he's he's turning into a into a big boy with big legs and a, and a good low center of gravity running. Mm. Um, thoughts on him, and then we might finish off on the the craziness of the the penalties and the VAR. But without touching on the VAR and the pen, I actually had him for man of the match today over Aubameyang. And people are like, oh, that's crazy! Aubameyang scored a hat trick. How can you not have him have man of the match? And mm. I said simply, without Saka doing what Saka does. In that game, I don't know that those spaces open up for Oba for Oba to have the opportunities to put them away. Look, I, I agree with you, and I contemplated giving Saka the plus three points for um, for the game. You know, at the end of the day, it was a choice between the two, and and I thought I'd show Abamyang some love. It's no mean feat scoring three goals, so I gave Tim. Well, it's his first first Premier League hat-trick, Toby, and his 202nd goal in his career. Yes, thank you for letting me finish my point. Um, But in terms of the most influential player on the pitch, for certain, for me, was was Saka. Um, You know, I I think there, uh, there is this incredible drive from deep and ability to win... Not just the, the the mental challenge in terms of the quickness of thought, but the the physical challenge that he's able to win those one on ones consistently when he's not always best placed to win those one on ones. Um, the ability to press, nick the ball back, um, you know, make tackles that 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 um, start a transition. And just the drive from that right hand side, he is he is hugely influential. the The last piece of the of the product that we need is a little bit more end product 
from him. And, and you know, and that's going to be goals at the end of the day. I mean, the amount of opportunities he's getting into compared to the actual output of goals. And I realise he's had a few taken away from him, you know, VAR and so forth. Um, but this kid is phenomenal. And I think... Um, I think he's established enough now um, and has excelled in every single position that we put him in um, that this guy is our most important asset, I would say. Uh, Toby, just while we're talking about Bakayo Saka, obviously a lot of back and forth about the penalty. I don't want to get into a conversation about the refs are against us. I know there's a couple of people in the room listening to us right now who are like, the refs are against us, the refs are against us. I don't fucking believe that there is a conspiracy against Arsenal, but what I will say is the level of refereeing in England right now is really poor. VAR is really poor. I'm going to try to do a screen share with you, Toby. I've never tried to do this before. I've never done it. It could go anywhere. But We're progressing. A, we are progressing. A, there is a video, Toby, that has emerged of the contact on Saka. Now, this video was not made available to the ref through VAR at the time because we saw live what videos or what angles he was able to look at. Um, now... Oh, let's just fucking see if I can do this. Screen share. Share something. Don't show me this tip again. Screen share. Application window. No, that's not it. Chrome tab. I think I've done it. I think I've done it. Can you see that? Yes. Yes? Toby, you can see in the video that I've got up online clearly that there's contact there. Ah. Right, the the left leg comes across, and you can actually see that it buckles the the right leg buckles yeah. Saka's left leg no, underneath. No, 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 no. I'm I'm cool with the original decision because what what has happened, in my opinion, is that all of the other angles, Saka was already on the way down, and he was feeling with that trailing leg, a la Wayne Rooney, you know. So for me, when it was overturned, and don't don't get me wrong. I want every penalty to go Arsenal's way, but I was watching it with my son, and you know, five year old trying to explain the rules and why it's a pen and all that. I said I'm not unhappy that that got overturned because you know football is not a game for no contact, and I feel that the game has evolved so much to be, you know, for theatrical displays in the box. And I thought, I thought um, Saka was on the way down, leaning across and feeling for that contact. So that actually doesn't change my mind, that footage. Uh, look, that does change my mind. And I guess the thing, that I'm, the, the thing that I'm trying to bring up, Toby, is the fact that this angle wasn't available to the referee. Now, if I'm taking it back to an NRL perspective, and you will have to agree with this, Toby, because as a mad Cam Canberra Raiders fans that we are, and also fuck you, Den, the ruthless gooner, whose first comment today was Raiders to get the wooden spoon. Fuck, fuck you, you Den, Den, dirty fucking para fan. Fucking get oh, out of here. fucking para, you Western Dirty scum. fucking para fucking Westie. Um, <laughs> sorry for people who aren't in Australia and aren't diehard NRL fans. <laughs> Love you, Dan. Can't wait to play you this season. We're going to have some fun over social media. Um, Toby, but anyone who watches NRL and has watched the evolution of the bunker, watched last season, we were we were made to understand last year by the guy who runs the NRL, the great Peter Volandis, PVL uh, is the shortening, um, that basically because you have multiple people at games, so, for example, you might have Sky cameras, you might have BT cameras, you might have the fucking Spanish Arsenal whatever cameras, um, that VAR doesn't have access to every single one of those cameras. VAR will have access to the cameras who whoever has the broadcast rights to that game. So I just wanted to cover that off first, that we found this out in NRL last year, that a lot of the time you don't get those pictures live because those pictures aren't owned by the people who are actually looking at it, which is a problem in itself. Now, I would make this argument, Toby, to go against, to go against what you've said. 
if the penalty hadn't have been given, as in it was no pen, I would agree with you that I felt that he was already falling down. I think you actually see him kick his leg out a little bit looking for the contact. I, I would actually agree with you with that. But on the preface that the penalty was given on the pitch, it's the mandate of VAR to say it is without doubt, like it is clear and undeniable that that is not a penalty. Now, I don't think with addition of that footage, you can say it's clear and undeniable that it's not a penalty. I'm with you, and I was having this argument with Big Steve while he was up shitting his fucking pants from eating too many hot wings. I want hot wings. Yeah, well, do you want to shit your pants all night? Just ask Big Steve. Um, I don't think <laughs> I would shit my pants. Oh, I have. I, I, I would have some is. bad bumwees the next day, but I wouldn't shit my pants because of it. Anyway. Um, but so they were fucking hot, or there was a lot of them? Yeah, well, or both. With big, with big Steve, it could be both. He sent me a message saying he knew he should stop, but he couldn't bring himself to stop. And look, anyone who's in isolation around the world, Toby, I'm not going to stand here and tell you not to gorge yourself. I ate half a fucking carrot cake the other night, and it wasn't a small carrot cake. It was a large carrot cake, and I have an intolerance to gluten. I've had heartburn for a day. I regret nothing, Toby, nothing. Because if isolation has taught us nothing else, it's that you can wank and eat as much shit as you want, and there are no natural repercussions. And anyway, and drink. And drink. You know, and, I and work drink. in health, and there's a report today about like increased alcohol consumption during lockdown, and I'm like, your fucking point, your mm. fucking units. Anyway, mm. should we talk about football? So basically, what I was saying, Toby, before we got on to Big Steve's fucking shitting his pants from hot wings and my eating half a carrot cake, was that. Because my excessive alcohol consumption. Because it was sent up as a penalty, I don't think it should have been overruled. I think that there was there was enough, and having seen this as well, I think that there was enough there. And I sort of implore Arsenal fans to get into the mindset sometimes of, well, if it happened to another team, I know Steve was saying, well, what about the bully foul on Saka? And I'm like, never a fucking foul. The defender who is a physical force, has the right to impose that physicality over someone who's trying to dance around him. I've got no problem with defenders going shoulder to shoulder. I believe it is on the attacker to maintain their feet, to have power, because this is what happens when you have a you know a small guy versus a big guy. This is what makes football great. And, and this is the part of defending that I think can't be lost from the game. But in saying that, I feel like if something is sent up as a penalty from the referee, there should be such clear and obvious information that it's not a penalty, that it shouldn't have been sent up in the first place. And I think this angle shows that the actual contact that buckles his foot inside is the contact that makes him go over, even if he was looking for it. I think that that is a part of modern day football. And can I also just say how fucking very impressed I am, Toby, that I put a video up on the on the thing. Because anyone mate, who knows me, mate, I am not a smart man. Progressing by the day. So, you know, it's um you know, all your help along the way, day by day, one day at a time, we'll get there. Yep. Yeah, we'll I'm a special. There. I'm a special guy, Toby. I'm a special guy. Um, but look, I I won't change my mind. I I still I still think it it was the right call at the end to overturn because I think he was feeling for it. I think that if you're going to be consistent across the Premier League, then you have to accept that feeling for it is a part of life. It's an evil part, and that's what's become the norm. But you know, call me a fossil. I don't give a fuck. I like Toby. The, I'm the, with you. The, I'm with you. I, 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 I want defenders to be able to go shoulder to shoulder, and I want it to be on the attacker to have to stand up to that physical battle. I think fans can't have their cake and eat it too, especially when it's half a carrot cake. You cannot have half a carrot cake and eat it too. You cannot eat 37 hot wings and not expect that you're going to be up all night shitting your pants while you have a chubby for the kids. Mate, like now, now I now I just want hot wings. That's so all you on, want. On, on that note, I think that's all should, you want. Uh, uh, Toby, uh, as always, thank you. I think it's been a good chat. I think it's been a typical Ask Bros Rankcast. We called some people some cunts. We spoke about rhinoceros dicks. We spoke about 
shitting our pants, eating hot wings. Uh, so many good things to talk to talk about in this game. And to the, the gaggle of degenerates who continue to join us in the chat, you know, from Big Steve, Ruthless, Humbo, Kurt, who's had his say today. Great to have you, Kurt. We hope to see you again soon. Uh, it's a strange time for us to be podcasting. But unfortunately, Toby, with the things that we have coming up, we're going to be podcasting whenever the fuck we can fit it in. Mate, it doesn't old, matter. Old it's like school. 90% old school. of our overall listens, of our overall people who listen to us, come from audio anyway. Um, exactly. And that's the way I consume most of my pods. You know, anyway, an- another another Ask Bros pod, which is total degenerate potty humor, interplayed and interspersed with the occasional valid and um, and somewhat um, and somewhat intelligent point. And Toby, just just two weeks away from rugby league. I'm fucking excited. I'm excited, Toby. I need my rugby league. I need it. I need them to invoke the Anzac spirit. <laughs> Too many inside jokes there, pal. This is an Arsenal podcast. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Fuck you, Den. Parramatta is shit. And we will catch you on the next. Ask Bros Rankcast. Good night. <laughs>